I'm joined by three guests on the podcast this week, all from London Metropolitan University. The Vice-Chancellor, Lynn Dobbs, the Pro-Vice-Chancellor for Outcomes and Inclusion, Zainab Khan, and their Director of London Engagement, Sophie Clutterbook. We cover things from London Met's response to COVID, how they're re-engineering within the university to truly ensure an inclusive curriculum, and why their graduates are increasingly values-driven. Lynn, uh, Sophie and Zainab, fantastic to have you on the podcast. I mean, obviously for all universities, but including London Met, it's been a hugely challenging last few months. Tell us a little bit about what the lockdown and now an opening up of London Met means um, for students at your university. Okay, well, at London Met, uh, since the pandemic, all of our students have continued to have access to high quality teaching and learning. It's been predominantly remote up to this point. Our staff have been absolutely amazing, going above and beyond what we might have expected. And our students have reported high levels of satisfaction with remote and alternative arrangements. We are moving into the autumn term now, 85% of our teaching is remote. We've adopted a fairly cautious approach and with the, the primary aim to ensure the safety of our staff and our students. I'm going in tomorrow to have a look at the safety arrangements, tomorrow and Thursday, to have a look at the safety arrangements, but I am assured that we have full social distancing across any of the programmes that will be taught in a face-to-face capacity. And it's really interesting, Lynn, are you sort of saying that actually for some of your students, actually the chance to learn more remotely in a way matched how they may well have preferred to learn? So actually, I'm sure for some students, you know, they really have missed um, face-to-face teaching and tutoring, but actually for others, yeah, that's been quite an effective way of them uh, getting through their course. Well, I think it is It is encouraging us to rethink how we deliver our programmes to our particular students. We still think that face-to-face is incredibly important yes. and all of us would like to move back into a position where face-to-face is the predominant mode of delivery. But delivering remotely is, is the, the, the remote teaching is taught in real time and it is also recorded so that students can either participate in a live session or they can dip in at whatever point they, it is appropriate for them. Mm-hmm. I think we might end up with more blended learning going forward and yeah. the students certainly are enjoying it. Yeah, and I suppose if you've got a lot of commuter students and, you know, many of your students got a lot of additional responsibilities across a wider life, then for them, that makes quite a lot of sense to have almost a more hybrid version of how they might approach studying at London Met. Yeah, um, 96% of our students come from at least one disadvantaged group. We have hugely complex, complex lives, as you've indicated. They juggle caring responsibilities and work with study. It's fair to say they're driven by a determination to make a difference for themselves, for their families and their communities, and that is immensely commendable. And it's really been at the heart of what London Met has tried to build itself around, working directly with communities. 
I mean, we're really proud to be doing work with you on the Social Mobility Pledge and, and a report that really is looking at all the great work that you've done on closing the opportunity gap and raising aspirations. Tell us a little bit about how you've approached that, because I think you've had a particular ethos almost of, of taking community priorities and then really building them into the outreach that the community that the university has done. In a minute, I'm going to bring Sophie in on this one. But before I do, I, I think the work that you were undertaking around this social mobility pledge is really important work, ensuring that Britain's leading businesses put social mobility at the heart of their purpose. It's really important. Our outreach work is outstanding. Sophie will tell you a little bit more about it. We're committed to developing skills around entrepreneurship. Zena is supporting the work to embed the principles of equality into our curriculum. And we have great results, but I'm going to pass over to Sophie and then Zena. Brilliant, thank you. Thanks, Lynn. Um, yeah, the community approach and the way we do our outreach, I think slightly different because it all starts with their voices. So the first thing we're interested in is how can we work together? And I think that's been really important as well. We've been looking at how we can work together on challenges, which, as we know, have changed a lot recently with COVID. And actually, COVID's given us a chance to have those conversations because we've been able to get in contact with people more easily. Um, the work we've done with schools and colleges has been really interested. We've looked at a proper partnership programme, working with big groups of, first of all, FE colleges. Um, lots of schools and colleges have work from outreach from universities, but the FE colleges, particularly the mature students, weren't getting that outreach work from the universities. And when we say outreach work, it's not just about where, how do they go to university? The outreach work is how as a university can we partner with them to make a difference to the people in the community around them? Mm -hmm. So we look at different issues, whether that would be health improvement, the environment, social wealth, poverty and deprivation, discrimination and crime. And we look at projects we can work with, whether that's schools and colleges or whether that's charities, local authorities, et cetera, in the community and how we can work together to look at those issues. And Sophie, how have you coped during the lockdown? I mean, obviously, there was a huge amount of work underway. And then all of a sudden, the school shutdown happened, colleges were closed, you know, people weren't allowed out for a period of time. How did you, how have you managed to keep all that work going in spite of everything? It's really weird to say that because I was the same when it happened. I was like, we've got all these projects. What's going to happen? How are we going to deal with this? Um, but weirdly, we've actually built closer relationships than we had before. Mm -hmm. Everybody was in the same situation. Um, and there's a lot of ways we could help our local partners, whether that be for local schools and colleges. We started putting online courses online for them. Even before the colleges and schools started going back, um, we actually provided some teaching materials that parents could use with their young people who were off. And we mm -hmm. were doing teaching materials from year four all the way up to mature learners that we were providing. And from that, conversations began. And from that, conversations began with the local community. And we've actually built on it. And so I'd say we've probably got double the amount of partners we had before COVID started, which was a really surprise mm -hmm. in what happened. So it's genuinely brought people together and, and actually that's giving you fresh opportunities to work with that community. 100%, I think so. And I think also it's more people are happy to work together. 
so you'll get mm -hmm. more partnership working going on and like groups of it's you know so it might be ourselves and a few organizations who've come together to work on an issue or another university might be involved with it with us mm -hmm. people want to work together more i think since it's so as as challenging as it's been you know there will be some kind of a legacy that comes out of this that's positive for the outreach work that london met does which is which is absolutely fantastic i think so and i hope it continues like it does and Zainab, do you want to talk to us a little bit about the work that you do and where that fits in with all of this? Yeah, so the um, the university's mission has always been centred around um, social mobility and transforming lives. And um, our um, flagship uh, learning and teaching strategy is the Education for Social Justice Framework, which really um, is the result of some deep reflection that we've undertaken um, with our staff and students at the university to rethink about the role of universities as part of bigger agents for social change and the result is a framework which embeds inclusive leadership um, within all of our courses and also critical theory so we're providing students with an opportunity to immerse themselves in some of the theoretical issues affecting marginalization discrimination in society in the labor market and then tying it in with the work that Sophie's driving around providing practical opportunities for students to see how these issues play out um, externally. So the idea being that we've grown incredibly frustrated with the slow pace of change around inclusion and to quicken the pace, we need to mobilize our students. So we're going to be equipping them with the skills to become um, ambassadors for inclusion so that in the future, when they embark upon their graduate careers, employers will understand that London Met graduates have a deep understanding of how to progress equality within their respective industries. But also we want to make them much more critically aware of who the winners and losers are and who the, where the invisible barriers lie um, mm -hmm. within our policy landscapes, within our major societal institutions because ultimately universities train all of the professionals of the future. So we feel that our capacity to make change can certainly be accelerated if we engage our students in the process. And how far on that journey are you? I mean, you know, it, it's a philosophy that you've really put at the heart of how London Met works. I mean, clearly looking at the curriculum and, and, and the wider issue of inclusive leadership is a massive piece of work. I mean, when did you start this? And if you like, what's ahead of you still to do? It is a huge piece of work and it, it, we, we often describe it as being a holistic programme which involves every single member of our community, staff and students. So we began this work um, just before lockdown and again this is quite remarkable that the scale of progress that we've been able to make has not been deterred by the, um, the pandemic. So this year we are piloting our Education for Social Justice framework in each of our six schools one school in particular which deals with social professions they've been so um, captivated by the philosophical mission of the framework that they're actually embedding um, a, a large part of the framework across all of their programs from this September. Coupled with the curriculum change we're embarking upon a really ambitious program of staff development mm -hmm. and that will engage staff in reflecting on their professional attributes um, unconscious bias, um, our behaviours and attitudes and the extent to which they're actually reflecting the diversity of experience that our students bring to the university. And of course, we're also uh, accompanying that with quite a deep set of training around teaching practice to make sure that our teaching provision is always accessible 
that it's always inclusive. So it's a huge piece of work and we're hoping that the outcome of the pilot will be uh, positive and then from next summer we'll begin the rollout across the institution. So from September 2021 all of our courses at London Met will have a really strong golden thread of inclusive leadership running throughout it. I think it's really interesting and, and especially as a business world more widely starts to increasingly grapple with how to do diversity and inclusion effectively. I think to be able to bring people into your organisation as a business that innately understand the agenda and how it works and, and if you like the practicalities of it um, is really, really powerful. And, and just going back to you, Lynn, in terms of the outreach that the university's done for some time now, Tell us a little bit about some of the results, you know, what it means for communities, but also what it's meant for the student body and, you know, the diversity of that student body that you've brought into the university. Well, in terms of our outreach work, um, our Upward Bound programme in partnership with Islington Council is a, is a, I think it's been running for 14 years. Mm -hmm. It involves working with children in years nine and 10. It used to be years 10 and 11 to increase the percentage of local children that will enter the world of work or study as young adults. In terms of our own graduates, they have relatively high levels of employment and graduate level employment. But I think the, the figures hide something that's really important about London Met. Mm -hmm. Our graduates have gone on to develop incredibly successful careers. They're scientists, social workers, teachers, architects, sports therapists, designers, many of them supporting families and communities in, in deprived communities. We have a commitment to developing values-driven graduates, very much as Zena was talking about. Our graduates make a difference to their families and their communities. They give back. This, this is, these are values-driven graduates that we are incredibly proud of. And so are you saying that for a lot of them, um, you know, in a sense, going to university often is a stepping stone for that next career. But actually these, because many of them are studying, as it were, from home and they're commuter students, actually, once they get to that higher level of education, it doesn't just benefit them. It benefits the homes that they're still part of as well. Yes, Justine, that's right. I think the, the our principles and, and the university's overall goal is to make a difference to the communities that we serve and that's our individual students and, and our communities driving real social change and transformation and that commitment oozes out of the institution it's a it's a genuine long-standing commitment to social mobility and social justice and tell us a little bit a little bit about this year's intake i mean obviously at the beginning of the summer yeah, the messages really coming out of the DfE were very much around a sense that they felt too many people were going to university. Uh, of course, once you ended up with the A-levels um, debacle, a lot of young people now have gone on to university, perhaps more than we would have ordinarily had. So how's that actually working for London Met? And, you know, are you going to be one of those that ends up with increased students and almost this sense of uh, an influx of young people into higher education now? Uh, well, at London Met, we were already planning to grow our student population in line with our, our new strategic plan. Mm -hmm. We'd already put measures in place to facilitate that growth. When the student number control was put on, we were disappointed 
Mm. When it was removed, it allowed us to continue with our plan to recruit a slightly larger cohort of students, not, not hugely different, but slightly larger than, than, uh, than last year. So it fits with us. And, you know, as a sector, vice chancellors across the UK, they recognise that our work is critical in supporting young people and the economy. And, and vice chancellors are very experienced at recognising the importance of our role and planning is already underway to ensure the changes this year won't be to the detriment of this year's students or next year's. And I think what you're sort of saying also is that it is going to have a longer term shift on almost how you deliver that education, but actually in its own way, the increased element of it that's delivered remotely may well be meaning for some students doing that degree and, and getting into a place like London Met becomes more viable as something that they can weave around a, a busy life. I think that's right, Justine. I, I, I think our students have very complex lives and the juggling of, of work, study and family responsibilities is a very difficult one. And the opportunity to have an arsenal of, of tools that allow you to undertake that while not taking away from the importance of face-to-face -face mm. contact and delivery. But, but I, I do, a lot of our graduates have said that it, it, it suits them. It is interesting. Um, a number of universities have said exactly the same. I mean, including um, in areas like student support, for example, where they've had to move it online, but actually in doing so, it has made that more accessible as a route for some students that might have felt more uncomfortable at coming in to do and access face-to-face -face support. So there does seem to be a real shift now. And I think the other thing it's, it's really done, unfortunately, the COVID crisis and the school shutdown, I think has really focused us in on just how important education is on leveling up and how when you take education away, I mean, it's a disaster for leveling up and the danger is you see leveling down. Instead, from my perspective, the universities you know, that we've been working with on the social mobility pledge like London Met are really on the front line of how to extend opportunity to those young people to make sure that irrespective of what's happened this past year, and it may well be a year of education disrupted if, if this disruption continues on and off for another six months, you know, you're really on the front line, aren't you, of making sure that young people can still have that opportunity to get to university. We are, and, and the opportunity to get to university is an important one, and, and how we develop the, the students when they're at, at the university and how they support their own development is absolutely critical. But something that, that is, is right front and centre for us at the moment is, is the, the jobs market and getting our students ready ready to get a good job. We've always had a strong focus on ensuring that our programmes are linked to graduate jobs. We mapped all of our programmes to the future demands of London and wider national and international economies. But we have to recognise that things have changed. You know, significant numbers of young people are now in the jobs market. One in three people under 25 are employed in the sectors most affected by the pandemic travel, hospitality, retail. Commentators are talking about how COVID could very likely leave a long-term legacy of unemployment and it will impact more on those from disadvantaged backgrounds and low income, the sorts of students that London Met supports. 
it's ever more critical that we put initiatives in place to make sure we can hook those students up to graduate jobs and give them the the opportunity to challenge the, um, the opportunity gap. And, and what are some of the practical things that you'll be doing? I mean, obviously through the Social Mobility Pledge, a big part of this is now working to connect up those many social mobility pledge companies with universities you know they want to reach that wider talent pool it's in places like london met but tell us from a a university perspective you know almost how you want to see employers change but also in a sense how does your graduate support change now that we're in a much tougher economic climate Um, i'm going to pass over to zena in a minute but but we have been planning a, a package of measures including coaches for students CV building, raising aspirations around employment and our investment in this area of work will be significant over the next three to four years. Zena, can you talk about the plans that we discussed this morning? Thanks, Lynn. Um, So we do have to start thinking um, more innovatively um, in light of the recession, but as uh, Lynn's already mentioned, the the distinct um, profile of our student demographics mean that they are more likely to experience ongoing barriers. And of course, um, Justine, you'll be familiar with all of the research that's published annually, that um, by virtue of someone's identity, they are more prone to being underemployed or unemployed. And and for us, as a benchmark, we must make sure that all of our graduates go into at least graduate level employment. And then the long-term aspiration is to make sure that they have really um, positive earnings trajectories. So over the course of the summer, because of um, lockdown and the increased anxiety some of our students have about their futures, which of course is entirely understandable, we've put in place a new coaching programme which um, is based around conventional leadership coaching that um, perhaps somebody would undertake during the course of their professional career. And Mm -hmm. on the coaching programme, students um, have a chance to work on keeping a positive mindset, but also then combine it with um, skills building around how to advocate for yourself mm-hmm. and how to build those um, tacit skills that employers are really looking for in terms of um, self-efficacy, negotiation, um, and really understanding what your own skills and strengths are and being able to then communicate that to a prospective employer. Um, so we've launched something called the Open Space, which delivers that inclusive um, approach to lead- leadership coaching. And that takes place every week. And, and actually the engagement over the summer has been has been quite promising. And we're expecting those numbers to go up significantly this autumn. Mm-hmm. We're also expanding our mentoring provision because, again, all the research out there suggests that particularly students who are from underrepresented backgrounds really benefit from having that close mentoring relationship with someone potentially also from um, a marginalised group or someone who's also experienced mm-hmm. overcoming barriers. And having someone they exactly um, and that relatability um, is really important um, to be able to combine a conversation about not just you know which how to how to apply for a particular job but the bigger question about well, where do you see yourself fitting within the frame of um, your career and in, in your life so we want to create those opportunities for students to have meaningful relationships professionally I think it's never been more important and this sense of almost working upstream from their first career step to really focus in on the skills they'll need and even the skills they'll need later on in their careers on leadership, I think makes a huge amount of sense. I mean, I I guess for all of us in a way, 
we never ne necessarily have a, a career path planned out. I, I think it'd be really interesting for people to hear a little bit about, in a sense, the journeys you know that you've had, particularly, I mean, Lynn, obviously we knew one another when you were at the University of Roehampton, but tell us a little bit. I mean, did you always plan a career in education or, or were you going down a different path initially? Well, no, I didn't plan a career in education. Um, I left, I'm very much like the, the typical London Met graduate. I left school at 16. I went to work in the local authority and I went to university after I had my two sons. I continued to work while I was at university. So I juggled work and, and, and caring responsibilities and study. I studied politics. Mm -hmm. I studied politics because it was the program where the course leader promised that he would make the timetable as flexible as possible. <laughs> okay. That was my, my decision for the choice. Yeah, that was your top priority. Top priority. Uh, I loved every minute of it. I absolutely loved it. Uh, and I've never looked back. It, uh, it, it's been an absolutely fantastic experience. And, and after that, after that, Lynn, I mean, did that really keep you in the academic space? Is, is that when you really sort of first began to love higher education as a sector? Well, I didn't want it to stop when I finished my undergraduate degree. So I just kept on with postgraduate study. Mm -hmm. um, and then I didn't want it to stop. So I went back to the university where I had studied uh, as a lecturer and then more recently as the dean of the school that I had been taught in. <laughs> so it was, <laughs> and I never planned any of it, never planned it at all. I got the deputy vice chancellor job in Roehampton and I never looked back on that. But being the VC at London Met for the last two years is really the icing on the cake. It, everything about the university fits with my values and my interest areas around social inclusion and tackling deprivation and, and, and injustice and the opportunity to lead this great institution is something that I will always be thankful for. I think it's fantastic and there's there's clearly a really important fit and, and Sophie how about you if you don't mind what's been your journey? No problem. So um, I'm actually an alumni of London Met predecessor, uh, London Guildhall University. Um, and I started there. But my brother and I were the first people in our family to have ever gone to university. So like our students as well, it was an unknown. Um, and I actually studied sociology at my undergraduate and I started working in the city. I was working for Reuters, Dow Jones, and then I was actually teaching trading to traders on the um, trading floor. While I was doing that, I actually started to volunteer as a youth worker in Hackney, and they offered to send me back to study to become a qualified um, youth worker. So I actually left the city, took that up, changed my whole lifestyle and became a youth worker. Um, and then from youth work, I moved into widening participation and started mm. working in unis. And for the last 15 years, I've been a widening participation practitioner before I moved into this role. Um, and I think the big thing with me was it was taking that opportunity. The fact that I was just volunteering, it's led into my whole different career path. Moving into the uni gave me the option to actually re-enter education and do my master's as a mature student. 
and yeah it's made such a difference to me as well and I don't think as an 18 19 year old I realized what a big difference it can make yeah interesting and Zainab how about you so my um my I think as a child I must have watched too many episodes of Perry Mason so by default <laughs> I was always fixed on a legal career I think that's also symptomatic of growing up in a South Asian household where immigrant parents give you two choices which is either to be a doctor or a lawyer so initially okay. I qualified as a barrister and then um, and, and worked in a civil um, practice for two years and it was just really clear to me that um, the nature of the work didn't really fit with um, some of my inner fires to have much more um, meaningful social um, change through my work. I then began a, a doctorate and gradually made the crossover to an academic career, um, initially teaching EU law of all things. So I had um, a, a really enjoyable time um, exploring principles of free movement of goods and persons, which of course have now become um, household terms across the country, um, and then moved into management. And, and through the course of my management roles in higher education, it became obvious that there was um, real disparities emerging between um, along race and also class lines in our student groups. And the sector's got so much to do in, in terms of getting its house in order. And so as my career developed, I went on to do um, much more race equity work and really sort of driving the conversations around inclusive practice, both in terms of staff, but, and also into curriculum more recently. Um, and then, um, and I'm absolutely delighted to be part of Lynn's team at London Met because it feels like a huge opportunity for me to align my personal values with that of the organisation. So it's a huge privilege to work in this sector and it provides me with so much variety, challenge, but I think essentially it's about feeling every day like I'm, I'm doing something with worth and purpose and that's a huge honour. And I think it, it's, I mean, it's fascinating. I mean, obviously this sense, I think, that comes across from all three journeys, but particularly um, Sophie and Zainab of, you know, starting off on one path, but then actually in the end, you switch and take a different one. And that's the case for so many people. And I think a lot of young people, when they're at school or at university, are thinking they're taking these irreversible decisions. They have to decide right now what they're doing with the rest of their life. And actually the reality is, is that lots of people have quite big changes in their careers during their life. That's going to become you know, more than all, I certainly did, you know, I started off as a, a finance person, an accountant, ended up becoming an MP, you know, never really, really planned that. But I think, you know, if there's stuff that you care about, then often focusing on it can be hugely rewarding, but also can end up um, creating more opportunities. And I guess Lynn's role is just a, a classic um, example of how university does transform lives. It's certainly transform my own and I think it's brilliant that all three of you can now put so much back into this system that really helped develop you I think final reflections I'll go in reverse order if that's okay on almost advice I mean you're all sort of I, I guess you know at the stages that you are in your your careers and your lives but if you were talking to your younger self um, what advice would you would you give you I'll, I'll go back to to you Zainab first I think my younger self used to find excuses to talk myself out of taking up an opportunity. Mm -hmm. So if I had a chance to talk to that young person, I would say, just say yes to the opportunity and then figure out how you're going to make time for it and how it's all going to work out. So just seize opportunities. Go for it. Brilliant. Sophie? 
It's funny, I've just written the exact same thing down, which is take every opportunity. And I think it's almost at times I was, was taking opportunities and I was scared what was going to happen next. And I think it's don't worry. Things, you know, it's worth taking those opportunities. It's amazing what can turn out from them. And if you don't try, then you'll never find out. So exactly, you've got to open up the chance. And Lynn, finally, from your perspective, you know, what would you be telling little Lynn? Yeah, I think that main, my focus on opportunity is similar to Sophie and uh, Zena. But I think that when I look back, I have taken every opportunity that, that was presented, family, friends, work. I, there's very little I would change. I've had a, I've had a great time. And, and it's led me in a direction that I didn't plan, but it's been a very, very rewarding direction. And I just had a great time and gone with my gut instinct about whether something would work. Two big decisions in my life were going to university and coming to London. Mm -hmm. And I took them without really very much thought. I just decided I wanted to do them and I did them. And that's what people should do, take every opportunity. So don't overthink it at times, go with your gut. Mm -hmm. But also I think the other thing that you were sort of, that came across to me from your life path in a way, Lynn, was just be a bit flexible at times. You know, you're not always gonna get um, exactly maybe what you had in mind, but actually the alternative may end up being better, you know, like you doing your politics course really, because it was a sensible thing. But in the end, it's utterly transformative. <laughs> because you absolutely love it. Look, all three of you, it's been absolutely fantastic um, interviewing you for the podcast. I mean, it's brilliant to hear about all the work that London Met's doing. It's never mattered more opening those doors to young people and then doing the work in the community, but also creating this path right the way through for young people into those careers that can then be so rewarding as you've been talking about. It's been fantastic to get a chance to hear about all of that. We're really looking forward to launching the Opportunity Action Plan with the Social Mobility Pledge. So thank you very, very much for, for doing the podcast. Thank you. Thank you. It was fascinating to hear what the London Met team had to say about how they work so directly partnering with local communities and use that as part of the way in which their students can learn and develop. And of course, underpinning that, how their goal for the university is to become a real agent of social change. It's exactly the sort of effort and purpose that businesses are increasingly recognising they need to have at their core too. Purpose and strong results, whether student outcomes or financial outcomes, are becoming inseparable. And with the young people today becoming values-driven increasingly, if companies want to attract these talented employees of the future, they're going to have to make sure that they're values-driven too. Thanks for listening to this episode of Fit for Purpose. If you enjoyed it, please give us a rating and share with your friends, family and colleagues. And be sure to subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes.